Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi there. I'm Lauren McGoodwin, founder and CEO of Career Contessa, and you're listening to the Females Podcast, Summer School Edition. This season, we're heading back to school. Career school, that is with experts here to teach us the ins and outs of specific topics. Today's teacher is Allison Garrido, a career coach who takes a strengths-based approach and partners with her clients to create and execute a career strategy. She's also a career coach through Career Contessa's coaching service called Hire a Mentor. I've been a big fan of Allison's coaching style for a while, and today we'll be diving into a very juicy topic, how to work with people you don't like, and probably important to note, might not understand. And because we're here for that real talk advice, be sure to stick around till after Allison's teachable moment, because we'll be answering your listener questions, starting with whether or not it's okay to take a step back in your career while you determine what you really want to do. You can submit your career questions for us to answer on future episodes by leaving us a voicemail at 844-FEMALES. And now this is the Females Summer School Edition. Hi, Allison. Thanks for joining us today all the way from New Zealand. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me, Lauren. Great. Well, let's jump right into today's question because it's a complicated one. And it actually came directly from a, a friend of a friend. Was We were chatting and she literally asked me this question. So what's the best course of action to take when you're working with someone and you just don't like them and you just really don't? you know, work well with them. Yeah, no, I totally understand. We've all been here, right? So what I think of is the most important is trying to really understand what motivates that person. So really looking at, you know, we don't have to absolutely love everybody we work with. We don't have to want to hang out with them outside of work, but there's probably some value that they bring to the team. So usually when we don't like someone, it's because they're not very much like us and we don't understand them. So starting to look at what motivates them, what are the things that bring them to the team and help them be an awesome contributor can really be helpful. And it gets it helps build a little bit of your empathy, too, because when we don't understand people, it's kind of like they're not like us. Why do they behave that way? Mm-hmm. So if we can tap into a little bit of, oh, OK, I see that that details are super important to that person. It's not important to me. So I need to figure out if I need to communicate with them, how I can add more detail or how I can help them kind of get some buy-in into the situation. 
Okay, so if you are, let's say you are at that level and you're like, I don't really work well with this person, but okay, I'll take a shot at trying to understand them so that we can at least, you know, do well with these projects and get get the work done. Like, I, I agree. Like, you you don't need to be going to happy hour with everybody, but you should at least be able to get the projects done. How can you better understand them? Because I, I think that probably the first initial reaction is sort of like, this person doesn't do it the way I do. If I can just tell them the way I want it, maybe they'll edit, you know, their style to mine. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a really common approach. The thing is, we have to remember what we can control. And what we can control is our actions, right? So if there's a mutual kind of prickliness in the relationship, I think it's totally valid to call it out a little bit, right? So, you know, Lauren, I feel like we're not communicating really well. You know, it feels like there might be some tension. Just just wondering how you're feeling. How can we kind of make this work together? Mm-hmm. Um, it's really rare, I think, that one person is feeling the tension and the other person is not. But if you can start to call that out, then you can both kind of level set because it might just be there was a little misunderstanding and now there's some tension that that person's holding and you can just clear the air. Right. Another thing is to tune into people that are working well with that person or someone who does have their ear. What does that look like? What is that person doing? And that's a part of managing relationships with colleagues, but also managing up. So if you're looking at working with your manager and maybe your manager's that person that you don't quite like or understand, really looking at when you do have good conversations with them, what is going well? And the people that do have their ear, what are they doing to make sure that they're communicating well? I think we really tend to focus on this conversation didn't go well. What can I learn from that? But oftentimes there's just as much to learn from the conversations that do go well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, totally. And uh, I haven't heard it be put like that before. So that's really interesting. What if you're a manager and you don't like your employee? Because I do feel like, okay, we're, we're very used to like, you know, people maybe not, you know, I don't want to say not liking the boss, but like maybe the boss asks you to do something you don't like it or she wants it done a certain way, whatever. Like we're kind of, you're used to hearing stories about that. But what if you are the manager and you're like, I don't like this employee. I just don't like this person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, it's hard, right? So it, I think it goes back to what is your role as a manager? Like what does this person bring to the team? If, if there's a, a real problem, right? with an employee, then we want to look at, okay, how do I help this person grow? And how do I make sure that I'm setting clear expectations? So I think starting with the expectations of what the employee needs to do can level set for both of you. So that way, at least if they're meeting your expectations, you don't have to worry about the way that they're doing things. It can oftentimes be the case too, that if you don't like an employee or you don't like the way someone's doing something and you want to give feedback, sometimes the inclination is for your feedback to be, do it more like me. Mm, So it's a good gut check to say, what is going on with this person? Is this person getting from point A to point B? If they are, is it important that they do it my way? Mm -hmm. Yeah, one thing for me personally is that I'm really positive. And so it's just part of me. I'm ready to go forward. I I naturally kind of think things are going to work out. And a lot of people are not so inclined. So they're the people that are questioning a little bit. And for me, it's realizing that 
those people that question, they're not being downers, right? Like they're not killjoys all the time. They're people that are going to help me anticipate the way I'm going to need to ebb and flow and, and weave with a project in a way that I probably wouldn't understand on my own. Cause I'm like, yeah, this is all going to work out and things will be fantastic. And we'll just rush forward. And oftentimes that's the simple thing is there's people that really trust and there's people that really question and making sure that you're seeing like both of you need the other person. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And what about if you want to, you know, discuss this with the person, but you don't really like confrontation. I mean, what is, you know, okay, so you've gotten to the point where you're like, I really need to understand where they're coming from, as you said, like kind of clear the air sooner rather than later if there's something going on. So let's say you've decided to move forward with all that. How do you actually do it? Do you do you sit down in person? Do you try to do it within like 24 hours of things happening? Um, and what, what do you do if you don't like confrontation? Yeah. So I think if we think of it as confrontation, gosh, it feels really heavy. Mm-hmm. I tend to take the stance of maybe the person doesn't know. So if somebody's doing something that doesn't work for you, or maybe like really is offending you, right? We can go like really down, down the road. I tend to come from it to it from a place of what if that person doesn't know how their behavior is impacting me? Mm. Yeah. So it's a simple, and, and, and this can be a problem in organizations where somebody's been allowed to behave in a certain way for years. And now we're all saying like, oh, that's just how that person is. Right. And nobody's told this person that this behavior is career limiting, which is just heartbreaking. So we need to let people know that something's going wrong in order in order to expect them to make a change, right? I can't fix a thing I don't know about. Mm-hmm. Um, so the oldest kind of tried and tested tool for that is called SBI. It's a framework around giving feedback that's been around since we've started talking about giving feedback. And the SBI stands for Situation, Behavior, an impact. So what that does is it takes out, you always do this. Because if I say you always do this, you're going to say, well, I didn't do it last Thursday. And right. now the conversation's over, right? So it's, it, it stops you from saying always and never. It really gets you into a specific event. So I'm going to share another wrong way to do it before I share the right way. What we're inclined to do sometimes is say, In the meeting, when you were mad, and again, just like you always, I can say, I wasn't mad. So assigning that motivation or giving people instructions are not part of the SBI. So if I'm thinking of somebody who was clearly mad in a meeting and I need to tell them that 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 behavior is not okay, the way that you can put that into SBI or situation behavior impact is During the meeting yesterday, when I started to share my story and you rolled your eyes and threw your pen on the table, (laughs) I could tell that people didn't feel like you were supporting that idea, right? So I, you can't argue with the eye roll and the throwing the pen, right? You can argue with, I wasn't upset or something else was going on, whatever. But if you can say, you know, during the meeting, when you did that, or when you folded your arms and scowled when we were in front of the room, it felt like we were not having a united front. And I could tell that people sort of disengaged. Mm -hmm. So now maybe that person didn't even realize they did a sigh, like something like that 
might be something that people legitimately don't notice. And they might have an explanation, they might not, but all you have to do is just share that information. And if it's if it's something that's happened a couple times, you might share the couple incidents, but what we don't want to do is have people behaving a certain way and then you're saying, for the last six months you've been doing this, and they're like, geez, you couldn't have let me know around week two? Right, right. Yeah, I mean, I, I and I, I think, again, if you aren't, I mean, as you said, if you call it, if you label it confrontation, it's going to feel even worse. But there are people who, you know, it's uncomfortable to have the conversation. So they'd rather Mm -hmm. maybe wait. But I think your point of uh, the SBI, I think that's a great strategy. And also, I guess my next question is, so when in my last job, the person who I kind of like shared the department with, we used to butt heads a little bit. And um, then we took the DISC assessment, so like a personality assessment. And I kid you not, when we found out like my personality is like this and his personality was like that, one of the things that was really interesting is I was considered conscientious. So I like to know all my options before I make a decision. And I forget what his letter was, but it was basically like he's super decisive. He just wants to make a decision Mm -hmm. and move forward. And so Mm -hmm. I used to think like, oh, he's not, he's not spending any of the amount of time on this that he should be when we need to, you know, bring to our boss these options or something like that. But at the same time, without him making a decision or helping to push me, you know, push us toward a decision, my goodness, I probably would have stayed there all day, like reconsidering the pros and cons of everything. So it was like, Mm -hmm. once we took those assessments, we, we really started to work so much better with each other. So I'm kind of curious, what are your thoughts about these assessments? Can they help or hurt a team? I mean, for my experience, it really helps. And I'm thinking for new managers, this is also a great thing, but could it also hurt your team if you already are like, I don't like this person. And now their personality quiz, you know, is, is letting me know that we're not right for each other. Well, that, that's certainly a way to like say, okay, so now I'm off the hook. Right. I'm okay. I don't like <laughs> dominant people. And so now I, I, I've absolved myself of all responsibility. It's also really easy to put yourself into the box of like, this is my, this is my style preference. So please everyone adapt to me. So I, it's, these are really good tools, but it's what you do with them that really, really matters. Mm-hmm. I've also had powerful experiences around DISC, especially with people who were in different styles than me. And DISC is one that it's great when the, your team can take it. But if you start to research DISC a little bit, it's moderately easy to, to make a good guess as to what people are. So, so the profile, the DISC, um, the four personality types are dominance, influence, steadiness, and conscientiousness. So when I first took it, I really didn't think of it so much about me, but I thought of it as if I want my message to be heard, how do I need to adjust it? So what I was able to see was I had a person on my team. She was a D, so D's for dominance. I knew if I needed to ask her for something, I needed to get right to the point. I needed to tell her yes or no, like tell her my recommendation and then maybe give details if she asked for them. Mm-hmm. D was the, the person who wanted the big picture and she wanted you to get to the point. Now the I person, when I went into her office, if I wanted to ask her for something, I needed to ask her about her weekend first. <laughs> like <laughs> she, her value is relationships and that kind of 
connection. So that's why that was her preference. But I'm an I, and when I used to go to that D's office, I was like, why isn't she friendly? Mm. Why doesn't she want to talk about my weekend? So I didn't get it. And then it was like, oh, okay, because she just wants to get to the point, and that's cool. And it's not that she's mean. It's just she has a different style than me. Right. When we went on to the steadiness person, that person is really concerned with the the wellness of the team. Like, how do we make sure there's harmony? How do we make sure everybody stays happy? So with that person, if I was going to ask her for something, I needed to make sure that I was saying, and this will not upset the apple cart. And everyone will be okay at the end of this decision or this, the impact will be that everybody's still performing to the best of their ability. Mm-hmm. And then the conscientiousness, that's so funny that that one's yours. That was the one I struggled with the most and were, were the, the opposite ends. Mm-hmm. But that person, it, as you know, it's like, Every I needs to be dotted. Every T needs to be crossed before I walk into her office. Like the detail is paramount. And once I understood that about her, that was such a relief to me. Right. Because I could see where, okay, this is her style and I am not there. So gosh, I need that person to, to help me with those details because I might not consider them. So an interesting thing is if you look at the top, the top of the disc, the D and the I, they want the information and then maybe the details. Right. The people on the other end, the conscientious and steadiness, they want all the details before you get to the point. Mm -hmm. So just using that as a tool of how you want to talk to people can really help your message be heard and it can really break down some barriers of thinking this person's just giving me a hard time. Right. But this person's not nice because that's not the case. Right? Yeah. And I mean, that was a hundred percent my experience. A hundred percent my experience was that once we kind of knew that about each other, we communicated much better. And ultimately mm-hmm. I think, you know, going back to the kind of step one of how do you work with people you don't like or really understand, it's like you maybe the best place to start is to try by try to understand them because at, at a minimum you can at least tailor your communication style so that you guys are, you know, not missing the mark because it's kind of a waste of time in a way if, if mm-hmm. you know, to be working with people you don't like and not trying to understand them. Yeah. And if you dig in your heels, on like, this is the way everybody has to do things. It's like you, you just punish yourself because you keep running up against that wall. Yeah. And it doesn't make sense why if you're not looking outside of yourself. Right, right. Well, I'll make sure to put a link to the DISC assessment, which is the assessment we've been talking about in the show notes. So anybody who wants to take it or have their team take it, I think they have some free versions online. But ultimately, I think the professional way of doing it is having like a, an, a facilitator come in and, and give it to you, right? Yeah, so the DISC is one that you have to have somebody who is accredited give you the assessment. So it is really effective with teams. If you want to do a free version, there's one called DOPE, and it's the bird one. So it's it's your dove, owl, peacock, eagle. Oh, my goodness. So <laughs> you can make a good guess as to where they are on the DISC, but that's a free one, and it can help you learn a little bit more about you, but also learn a little bit more about others and what motivates them. Okay. I'll make sure I find the link to the DOPE assessment. I just <laughs> lo- I feel like we're like one step above a BuzzFeed uh, quiz yeah. at this rate with the, the Dove and Peacock thing, but uh, that's okay. Whatever, whatever helps people communicate better, I'm into mm-hmm. it. Absolutely. Okay. So let's say you've done all these things and you're working better with some people, but 
maybe there's another person where you're like, I guess what I'm asking is, is there any way to know that your relationship with a person won't change and maybe it's time to look elsewhere for like a new job? Like, let's say you work with a person where you're like, we just don't work well together. How do you, how do you know when to throw in the towel and say, maybe it's time to look for a new place to work? Mm -hmm. Well, I think one big thing before you start to look at, do I need a new place to work is look at your well-being. Like is, are you taking care of yourself in other ways? Because I think of resilience and, and resilience is such a kind of overused buzzword at the moment, but I think of it as, is your bucket full enough for you to kind of take what life's going to throw at you? Mm -hmm. So if your bucket is empty and you're not well and you're not taking care of yourself, a lot of the things that aren't such a big deal might seem like a big deal. They might be a big deal in that moment. Whereas when you're well, gosh, those things just roll off your back. So think about, is there some self-care that you need to do to make sure that you're well before the job is the thing that needs to change? And then also making sure that you have communicated with someone before you decide that that's not going to work. So if you're having discussions and you've got pretty open lines of communication, thinking about is is this something that we're just not going, like we have to work close enough together and the personalities aren't going to work that, that it's time to make that change. And, you know, as much as you trust the people around you, if you're struggling with a coworker or a boss, is there somebody else that can maybe support the two of you or support you in getting a bit of an outside perspective and thinking about, is it, is it worth it to, to try to make those change? Right? Like, so what is that end result that I'm hoping for and how realistic is Mm -hmm. that end result? I was in a situation like that where somebody who was a colleague that I wasn't quite meshing with. And then she became my supervisor and we continued to just not mesh well. And we were communicating and we were talking about what we needed from the other person, but we were both like continually frustrated. And I had a great mentor who was saying, you know, I can help you try to manage this relationship. And this is what I'm seeing from the outside. And this is what I'm seeing going well. And, you know, is this an effort you want to put in? Like, is this role what you want to the extent that you're going to figure out how to work with this person. And interestingly enough, what I found was the role had changed in such a way when, when the whole structure changed that I wasn't fully happy in the role, which might've contributed to the, the friction in the relationship. Mm -hmm. Yeah. My mom always says you take yourself wherever you go. So it's like, Mm -hmm. you might as well do this work, uh, while you're in your current job to make sure you understand truly what is, I don't want to say the cause, but you know, like what is the thing that's pushing you toward feeling this way or being, not being able to kind of work together with somebody else. And I think it makes sense as you know, to maybe not work well with everybody all the time. Um, Mm -hmm. but as you were saying, like sometimes in organizations, and we've all had this person where they're really difficult to work with and just everyone keeps their mouth shut to that person. But behind their back, everyone's like, God, I hate working with so-and-so. He's so difficult or yeah. she's so tough on me. And so, you know, maybe a good place to start is to really not be part of those conversations before you've made sure that you've talked to that person directly. Absolutely. Because what if you were doing something? I just always try to put myself in that person's shoes. And I think when I was a new manager – 
I, I have super high expectations for myself that I'm never going to meet, right? And so I also was putting all those expectations on other people. And I had an awesome manager who was like, Allison, you need to chill out. Like right. everybody's not going to meet your expectations. And, you know, and what a gift she gave to me. But if I didn't have her as a manager, I don't know how long I would have been, you know, being super hard on people and not trying to figure out what motivated them and helping to motivate them, but just saying like, this is easy for me. Why isn't it easy for you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Get up, do the work. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, that, that's the inclination. And I think, you know, whether you have high expectations for yourself or whatever your work style is, you tend to be like, why is this so difficult for you? Just do the thing I do. It's right. easy for me. And uh, <laughs> for sure. Might not be. Well, we had a, a woman on in season two, uh, Caroline Turner, who talks a lot about how you need to be bilingual, meaning you need to be able mm. to communicate in your style, but also switch your style to what their style is. Because ultimately, your goal is to get, you know, to move forward and to get what you want out of the situation. And you probably have to work with someone to do that. And I thought that was really, really good advice because, you know, you're not, we're not. Talk, we don't talk about communication skills like that, you know, about how you just mentioned where you need to adapt your style and know that when you walk into that person's office, this is, you know, and, and I think that's really insightful for sure. And it's not about losing yourself, right? You don't have to lose yourself. It's just about, you know, if you want to have this conversation go well, how do you help it? go as well as it can go. Yeah. And that's an interesting point because I do think people hear this message and they go, oh, so I have to edit myself for this to make it work for this other person. I don't, why am I always the one who's having to do that? And maybe the reality is that everyone feels like they're always the one doing that too. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah. And the, there's a, there's a trust thing too, right? If you have trust on your team and good relationships from the get go, it doesn't feel like a great burden to adapt your style, right? Like we adapt our style all the time. We're just not when we're annoyed sometimes when we have to do it, but we're doing it for our partners. We're doing it for our parents. We don't talk to our nieces and nephews the same way we talk to our brothers and sisters. It's just, it's just different, but we have those relationships and that trust and that love. So it's okay. And sometimes we think that we have to be different at work and, you know, kind of a little bit cranky about it, but it's like, if you have that trust and, and value the relationship, it's relationships or relationships or relationships, whether Mm -hmm. we're at work or, or home or on the street. Yeah. Well, thank you, Allison, so much for your advice on this. Uh, everyone will be editing their communication style as they <laughs> head in or out of work today. Where can the listeners find you if they have follow-up questions or want to learn more about um, how you work with clients, especially if like they're going through a challenging moment at work right now? Absolutely. So my website is my name. So it's Allison Garrido, A-L-Y-S-O-N-G-A-R-R-I-D-O.com. And I have heaps of resources on my website. And so like webinars, I have our webinar that, that you and I did, Lauren, I like to get to that and articles and podcasts. So I'll pop this on my website so people can get there that way too. So lots of resources and mostly around soft skills. That's also where if you feel like you'd want to connect, I have my email contact information and you can also find me on um, Career Contessa's site. I'm a mentor there so you can schedule sessions with me directly there and also find some articles that I've done on Career Contessa's site there too. Yes. And I can attest you are a soft skill master. You understand how to turn them into something where we can actually understand what we need to change and edit. So definitely worth it. Well, thank you again, Allison. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Have a good day. Hey there, let's take a quick break to talk about today's sponsor, Audible. 
Living in Los Angeles, I spend a lot of time sitting in traffic, like three hours each day, a lot. During my long commutes, I need something that's going to keep me engaged and inspired. That's why I'm obsessed with Audible. Instead of staring at the bumper ahead of me every morning and evening, I'm able to escape into a compelling story via Audible's vast selection of audiobooks, including bestsellers, business, self-improvement, memoirs, and more that are professionally narrated by actors, authors, and motivational superstars. It's a whole new experience to hear Michelle Obama in your ear, let me tell you. The Audible app also makes it convenient to listen on the go no matter what your commute looks like, and the app even gives you free access to the New York Times, Washington Post, and Wall Street Journal, all delivered easily in that app. Listening makes us smart, more connected people, it makes us better partners, parents, and leaders. And there's no better place to start listening than Audible. Audible members now get more than ever before. Members choose three titles every month, one audiobook, plus two Audible originals that you can't hear anywhere else. Whether you're in the mood for an audiobook on professional development, self-improvement, or you're just trying to hear about today's news, Audible has you covered. Start listening with a 30-day Audible trial, and your first audiobook plus two Audible originals are free. Visit audible.com females. Or text FEMALES to 500-500 to start listening today. That's audible.com slash FEMALES, F-E-M-A-I-L-S. All right, now let's get back to the show. All right, it's that time in the show when we hear real voicemails left by you, our listeners, and do our best to give you some real talk career advice. And to help, we have Kayleen Cahiss back on the show. Hi, Kayleen. Hi, Lauren. All right. Today's voicemail is all about whether or not it's okay to take a step back in your career while you determine what you really want to do. Let's listen in. Hi, my name is Paige. I'm the project manager in the publishing educational industry. Um, And my question has to do with career moves and whether or not it's okay to take a step back. Um, For background, I recently got laid off and have been searching for my next move, but I'm really unsure about what I want to do and where I want to spend my time. Um, And an opportunity is presenting itself, but it's possibly a step down from what I was doing. So is it okay to take a step down? Is it okay to not want to climb the corporate ladder at the moment and just take a job that will teach you something new, but won't be stressful or super, super hard while I'm figuring out what to do next? And how do you battle with this idea that you have to always be making the next step up the ladder to feel like you're doing anything good, especially when you're part ways into your career in approaching your 30s? Love to hear what you guys think. Bye. All right, Paige, this is also a really good question. Uh, Kayleen, I'll let you start because I know we have lots of good advice for this. First of all, I wish I was approaching my 30s. <laughs> <laughs> so Paige, you're, you're ahead of the game. I think that we're all hardwired to feel like any step that's not, you know, a ring up the ladder is a step down. And I think that's, it's a mistake to feel that way. Um, I think that's the ambition trap that we all fall in. Yeah. I also think if your opportunity that's presenting itself is going to come with a new skill set, that actually kind of 
Not to contradict what I just said. Yeah. But that kind of is a step up, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I There's a great article on The Cut called The Ambition Collision, and we've also talked about The Ambition Trap on episode podcast episodes and also on Career Contessa, but I totally agree with what Kayleen is saying is that especially, you know, for – you know, the millennials, and it sounds like you're you're definitely in that group, is that we've been hardwired to feel like if we're not go, go, go all the time, if we're not constantly moving forward, then we must be moving backwards. And it's, it's you know, I think that's definitely the mindset that it's going to be challenging to overcome, but it's super valuable that you are recognizing like, hey, I'm at a place in my career where I, I just need time to kind of figure out what I want to do next. And I think that's super thoughtful. And I actually think your career is going to be better off because of that. Not to mention, you mentioned like this is going to be a little bit of a like less stressful, like it's not a step back to be able to say, I'm going to, you know, prioritize myself and be able to think really clearly. And, you know, a lot of us are burnt out and stressed out and like, that's not good. So I actually love that you early on in your career are going to have maybe a job that is a lot more balanced and you're going to actually understand what that healthy integration of work and life really looks like where a lot of us, it takes, you know, a breaking point before we kind of decide that that's what we want to do. Right. I think that it's also a cool opportunity to have this moment where you can see what a new job will offer you, especially in a maybe a completely different industry, a completely different work-life balance. And um, it's you'll probably obviously you're going to learn new skills. Um, you can exp- you have an entirely new network that it's going to open you to, and you'll have a sounds like you'll have a healthier working environment, which feeds into. I mean, I know it sounds like a little woo-woo, but it feeds into everything in your life when yeah. you're actually happy at work. You spend so much time at work, so it's like paramount to at least go home every day and feel like that was that was good I'm not burnt out I I'm not dreading going in tomorrow right and and to address your fear of maybe feeling like am I going to regret this later is this going to you know like affect my overall long career path I think what would be a good move for you to do right now is to really be very crystal clear and probably write it down like why is it that you want to make this pivot and why are you doing this? Because you might have times later on where you question it and it will be good to remember like why you started in the first place or why you're, you're, you know, you chose this and all the good reasons. I think having a work journal that you keep where you can really document like here are the new skills I'm learning. Here are the new people I'm meeting. Here's what they're doing different at this company that I didn't have at my last company. And like really use this as a time of also being able to self-reflect. And if you do feel like you have a little extra time and you want to test the waters and other career development by taking like online classes or having informational interviews like think about if you if you truly feel like you're going to have like extra time and you want to spend it quote unquote productively within your you know within career development then prioritize some cool things that you can do I mean I I'm not saying like I don't want to make it sound like you're trying to fill your plate with more and more stuff just because you have the time but like this is an opportunity for you to come up with that storyline of why am I making that pivot especially that might be important in a job interview but also like I said like if one or two years goes by and now you want to go do something else and you know the, the recruiter says well why did you move from this industry to that industry like you'll remember and I think that's definitely something where I've experienced something similar to that before and of course I didn't write it down and then I'm like oh yeah what what was my reason for doing that again so I mean that's how everyone is I think a little bit so work journals are really great for that too yeah I have to start a work journal yeah <laughs> you do <laughs> I think it is really great because it it does 
it's this resource you can go back to, especially like Lauren said, when you're in this interview process, maybe a couple years down the line, they would ask you this question of, you know, why did you pivot from this to that? This will be a, right now will be a distant memory at that right. point. So it will be great to have a really thoughtful answer and, and a true answer on top of that. Right. And also be kind to yourself. Like, you know, don't, I mean, we already said it, but really don't focus on the fact that, you know, you said something about like, I'm taking a step back. Like don't associate taking a step back as taking a step down. Be confident in the fact that you are in the driver's seat of your career and you are making this decision and you're, you know, purposely making this decision. Like I, I would say, don't let that inner critic voice come out and be like, why aren't you doing enough? You need to go, 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 go. Like we know that inner critic voices are not helping any of us. No, she never does. No. <laughs> and, and the other thing I would say, you didn't mention this, but I know there's a lot of pressure around too. Maybe your your friends and colleagues at your last job will be like, well, I'm doing this. It's fabulous. Like, just remember that, first of all, your career journey is unique to you. No one else is ever going to replicate it. And the other thing is like a lot of the things we see, whether on social media or what people tell us are, you know, just just the, the skin of the Yeah, the thing. highlight reel. Yeah, it's not the reality of everything. So while it always seems glamorous to be making that step up and earning that higher salary or what have you, it's not It's not all that glamorous. I right. think everyone knows that, but it's hard to like hammer that in when you're making a move. A hundred percent. Well, Paige, keep us posted. This is very exciting. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Females. If you want to leave us a voicemail, call us at 844-FEMALES. That's 844 844- Three three six two four five seven. We'll be back next Tuesday with Julie Zhu to discuss how to make the transition from employee to manager. But until then, you can follow us on our new podcast Instagram channel at The Females Podcast. Share this episode with your work wives. Leave us a review on iTunes. We read every single one. They mean a lot to us. And you can listen to this sneak peek of next week's episode push back on that instinct. Just use the time to listen and learn about all the people that you're going to be supporting and use that as use this time as well to just share a little bit more about yourself. And, you know, by the end of those 90 days, you know, you'll have plenty of time to demonstrate your brilliance and all these ideas and decisions that you want to make down the road, but you've got to start with that trusting foundation. 